far away from Don't in middle school i made up a language that so that my friend and i could like talk during class and it was a really easy one it was you'd flare your nostrils to get to the letter in the alphabet that you wanted to get to so you'd have if you wanted to say like i you just have to sit there and be like that is <laughs> the dumbest thing i hate I. It was really effective. I mean, like, my name is Steven. If I'm trying to spell yeah. it out, oh, that's yeah, you're not, 19 and that's, then 20. Yeah. Like, I, You had to be really um, specific, like, really, like, what do I have to say to you right now? And you, you know? also can't laugh, right? Yeah, because it's in class. You can't laugh. Yeah. Yeah, it lasted for a couple minutes. We gave it up. Yeah, by the time you finished <laughs> the first word, you were like, I'm yeah, done. Like, Ow, my muscles around my nose. Oof, yeah. Um, uh, Miss Stevenson, are you going to cry right now? Or are you going to use your... Are you going to cry? It's the teacher being like, oh, what do oh. you do with your nose? <laughs> I thought you were just like, Miss Stevenson, Mr. Moskis, are you going no. to cry? Shall no, I wasn't doing that in any regard. Um, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, no, cool. but we should, though. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, should. We should. Um, we should. You go first. Okay. What do you want to get um, rid of? So, I... Ha, uh, we'll just skip past. We'll, yeah, we'll skip past where I say the it. thing I'm not gonna do. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. And I went home this weekend for a wedding. Um. One of my best high school friends. Her name is Darby. And her her sister has this great place on Johns Island. And it's it was amazing. Had the wedding there. Well, the um. Careful with that mic. I'm good. Keep talking. Nobody's noticing anything. Um, But they, uh, there were people there that I hadn't seen in in so long, and namely, namely, one person who like we were friends for seven years, and then by high school, I mean we're eating lunch together. Every single day. I don't know how other high schools are. We just had like a bunch of buildings. And when you got released for lunch, you just needed to be somewhere in those buildings. The cafeteria is there or in the field. There was like because they were like spotted around just like a large plot of land because they were Mm -hmm. all various schools that had then just been fenced in to become one. So there was like a a football field of space in between them. Um, And so. You know, you just had to be where you needed to be on time. Uh, but yeah, we ate lunch in the same circle for, I mean, maybe seven years. Probably not like the first two, but definitely the last five. You know, this is like a close friend. And then for whatever reason, we just didn't really communicate after graduation. So like we had the best time at this wedding her name is taylor janey uh best freaking time at this wedding and i'm like how is it possible that we were so close for seven years and then i haven't spoken to you even via social media i think in 10 so like i think that what i would like to get rid of Perhaps I buried the lead based on your face. Do you laugh? Oh, What's I'm funny? I'm so with you. What's I... funny? That like that there's like a, I, I guess like presumed communication or, or like taking friendships for granted. I think that I know that I didn't really, ha- I mean, I just huh, brag, been doing theater for basically my whole life that there is this thing of like you are intimately pushed into this group of people 
uh, for a long period of time. And so you like feel this immediate connection and you're, you're doing the work and you have these friends. Well, it's like all the people that you knew outside of that kind of get pushed to the wayside because you have this intense commitment but then you move on to the next show and then you're with those people and then the people from this previous show who you kind of moved everyone else away for to make to you know usher in have now been ushered out themselves and so there's this constant like upheaval and i feel like i never really kind of learned the flip side where it was like what how do you sort of navigate when you're not in a situation where you have to be around other people, uh, not be around other people, but when you're not kind of pushed into this emotionally intimate setting, um, especially in like post academic life where it's like the space between being committed to that kind of show is much larger than it like ever was previously. Then it's like, I definitely feel like I'm don't necessarily have the like, skills that some other people that other people who were like not having this outside force pushing them together were like kind of had to develop earlier on mm-hmm. um i don't do you feel that way as like a playwright or do you feel that or, or or not i mean how do you how do you feel like the way that you as a playwright influence um how do you feel like your role as a playwright in the the scenario of like rehearsal and doing one of your plays like affects your friendships. Cause you're obviously dealing with the creative team. You're also not there for every rehearsal for five weeks or every show. So you don't, I, I just, I'm very curious. I'm not aware. Um, I don't really you understand the question. No, no, I think I do. It's basically about like, how do you, like if you're working, are you talking about like if you're working with your friends or no, I'm saying like you, Gina, when you write your new play, mm-hmm. some people that you get cast in, some people that get cast in it, maybe you know them, maybe mm-hmm. you don't. Um, presumably the director will be a friend. Um, like, do you feel in that scenario that like the play is taking up a lot of your brain space that like other relationships kind of get pushed aside and that these people that you're sort of meeting or maybe have been a little bit more satellite to your normal sphere, they're kind of taking a more central step at the expense of people that would normally be in your central sphere. Or do you feel like that's not an issue for you? So basically like your friend, like does being in rehearsal, like affect your ability to like see your uh, friends who are not, a part of the show, right? Is that yes, but also, do you feel like you become less good of friends with them during that time? Not just that you can't see them, because obviously they're just, maybe you have to work, or maybe you go out of town or on vacation, you're not seeing your friends, but they're not becoming less of your friends. Uh, I don't really know, to be totally honest. I don't, I still don't think I quite know what you're asking. Um, I, unfortunately, I think it's just me being a little dense right now. Um, I but wouldn't I, call you dense. I, I just, I do. So, I mean, there is something to like, how often are you in the rehearsal room for one of your plays? Well. And obviously it varies, but yeah, give it, me your average guess. I, well, I mean, lately, which the last time was in 
November or January for five days, like a five day thing. I'm there all the time. But so I don't really think I actually know because I haven't had like a full production. Mm. Um, I'm also, I think my hesitance is because I'm like, I won't, I won't keep moving. Keep moving. Unfortunately. Um, but so no, you say moving. what you want to, cause I do, I'm super with you with, so what you want to yeah, that like, like uh, because that I can sort of take who I like is in my immediate vicinity. Uh, I can sort of take their um, contact and like that sort of intimacy as like um, as sort of enough and at kind of the expense of people that I would have to work harder to be friends with i don't Mm -hmm. yeah um just is what it is my description at this point yeah um and so that friend was a good friend that was a great friend and so i look forward to after like the you know a decade of silence being broken yeah um you know we're gonna have not only was it nice i just like hope that i have the follow-through to like keep keep the friendship alive. Right. I mean, no, yeah. I said, what's next? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Oh, I didn't hear that. Well, and it's yeah. also hard if you don't live in the same state. Right. She's in San Francisco. She live in the same. That's far away. Yeah. 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 But still. It's about as far away it can get. Um, yeah. Social media is like we're there. It's like it. That has also the added problem of uh, being able to see what someone's doing and then thinking that you're then mm, communicating right, with right, them. Right. Having that no sort idea. of thirst mm-hmm. quenched. Mm. Um, I just feel like. You've been taking so long. So why don't you say what you want? <laughs> sure. Um, I was also out of town at a wedding this weekend. All right. Um, All right. Copy. Yeah. Copy me. Uh, well, but I, what I want to get rid of is American Airlines. I just don't oh. like them. Um, and this has happened. I, they're the airline that I think I've had the most problems with in general. And then this weekend, I was supposed to fly out on Friday night. Uh, and they just canceled my flight for really no reason. Like it was raining. So like, maybe that's why they didn't say why. And they were just like, we're going to rebook you for tomorrow morning on a flight. That's twice as long. That has a layover. And the wedding was on Saturday. So like I called them and they, they were like, Oh, well we just had like just opened up a spot on this one that is direct. And I'm like, you suck. Like you were just going to put me. Yeah. Ugh. And so like I got there on the day of the wedding and then had to leave the next day. And it was just like very frustrating. And other airlines have different policies um, that like things that they will do for you that mm. are, you know, but they just suck. And they've in the past also like this has happened before and ma- they've made me like misconnecting flights, even though like they knew I was on that flight coming in. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll let them know at the gate that you're coming. And then like they just didn't tell them. So the flight left like that happened once. And it's just like I hate American Airlines. I think they're terrible. Yeah. I just wish everyone was JetBlue. I was about to say, JetBlue is my fave. And like the snacks on American Airlines, like they're fine. They what did you, you even get? You get, you well, we got an option of pretzels or those Biscoff cookies, which I you don't mind Bisco- those cookies. Of course, I chose yeah. the Biscoff cookies. They're they're like speculoos in right. cookie form, which is Dwee. amazing. But still, I'm like, you know, you go to JetBlue and they have like a basket full of uh-huh. and options then you're like, and then you're like, brand. can I have two? And they're like, oh, like, fucking duh, ten. you can yeah. have two. I'm just going to leave the basket in your seat. Right. We got baskets right. in the bag. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to get rid of American Airlines because they screwed me over for the last time. But honestly, if their flights are cheaper in the future, I probably will forget about this and fly again with American Airlines. Yeah. I mean, you know? I just did cheapo air because JetBlue is more expensive and mm-hmm. I, I, I was doing United. And I think that like the moral of the story is we can throw in more airlines into this bus mm-hmm. because uh, that we're 
throwing off a cliff and <laughs> on the uh, bus. No. You, yeah, we're putting we can put them on the bus that's under a larger <laughs> bus. Mm-hmm. Um, and driving that one off the cliff. Yeah, okay. and all Got the buses it. off all cliffs. Okay. And uh, yeah, because I didn't even get a choice. I only got pretzels. And then I'm pretty sure that like um, we swung pretty wildly on our descent that was like oh, like scary. 90 degrees uh, and then like a, a oh rocking settle back in. I was I literally had a moment where I was like, oh, that what? this is it. I know. I, I yeah. had that going going to Charlottesville where the wedding went and it was like the most terrifying. Did you surprise uh. yourself at how? how ready you were I was to like face I'm going death. this is gonna go down this is yeah. going down I don't know that I was ready but my heart was pounding oh. and I was like I know it's gonna happen and I was alone I wasn't like flying with anybody oh. too so I was like I just I won't be able to tell anybody maybe this is the end right I was but here we are but we here survived. we are yeah yeah it's not no, funny every time I almost it's die I think laughing. like oh man I'm way more ready to handle this than I thought. <laughs> nice. That's yeah. a good thing. I don't I'm know like, if I'm quite there. Oh, I'm, I was like, I'm, I'm sure I'll these. have more me- near death experiences. Yeah. In the I, future. I, I, if all goes as planned. Yeah. We can only hope. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's start this show. Yeah. Welcome. This is Should We Keep This? The Cultural Review podcast that Gina knows and loves that I looks love back it. over the past 50 years of film, music, television. It challenges your nostalgia to get to the question, should we, what do you think, Gina? Should we... Gina? Should, Gina. Steven. Gina. Steven. Gina. Steven. Should, Should we, we keep, keep this? this? Nice. I'm Steven Moskis. <laughs> I'm Gina Stevenson. And today we're talking about Star Wars A New Hope and... Yeah, and Annie Hall. Whoa, I was like, <laughs> yeah. what is it called? <laughs> this is the year 1977. Oh yeah, which is the year of... This is the year of... <laughs> the year of Harry Sidekicks. Because we got Chewbacca, and then and we've then got you have, his friend. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, he is. He's a little hairy. He's a hairy. He's got he's a hairy. lot of hair up I'm top. I'm like, if and you took that shirt beard. off, I am sure your oh, chest is covered in a forest of big time thick, cushy hair. Yeah, yeah like so, he's wearing a sweater. Yeah, three sixty-five. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's what the year is. Oh man, I'm proud of that one. <laughs> I, 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 it caught me off guard. I gotta say, that's my goal. That is always my goal to catch you <laughs> off guard. Um, well, so I know we watched these in opposite order, but we the did. first one that I watched was Star Wars: A so New you Hope. Hit up, you want to hit up Star um, Wars? Let's do it. A New Hope. So well, let's start with Star Wars: A New Hope. I'm like looking at the microphone; it's making me cross-eyed. I'm trying to oh, look at no, my screen. Don't do that. But also to don't be close that, to the microphone. But also, don't get away. From, don't you there dare get away from Defer. that G F and D microphone. Okay, so we're gonna start with Star Wars: A New Hope, which is the top-grossing film. <clears throat> of 1977, excuse me. And Big this is a boy. space adventure film. Big boy. Woo! So it is set in a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Are you Big boy. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Just the last one. That was the last one. Um, and so this galaxy uh, is ruled by this like fascist dictatorship empire. Um, and so it begins with uh, this this ship, that the spaceship, uh, where we, we understand that rebel spies have stolen the plans for this, this thing called the Death Star, which is this colossal space station capable of destroying an entire planet. Um, this is so crazy to me, by the way. I'm just going to side note, like, explaining this plot, because I'm like, how does... I just know this plot so well personally, so I'm uh, like, it feels so like obvious. But obviously, not everyone has seen this movie. I know right. people who have no, never seen it. I found the same way doing the research that I do of like, what is technically this film right. and not the other films? Yeah, I was like, yeah. where's Yoda? But he's not here. No. Um. Anyway, so Princess Leia, who's who the is system. 
Uh, yes, he's in the Dagobah system. Yes, <laughs> Princess Leia, who is a leader of the rebellion, um, who's on this the spaceship that's being boarded by the mm-hmm. Empire. She hides the plans to the Death Star away in a droid because the ship's being boarded, and so the droid R two D two and this other droid named C three PO human cyborg relations. Yes, um, they I love them. They <laughs> manage to escape to the desert planet of Tatooine. Um, at the and like as they're escaping on this little jettison pod, we meet Darth Vader, who comes onto the ship, who's this like you know, imperial leader. He's like a cyborg, half cyborg, half human kind of dude. We don't see his face ever. And and so he basically kidnaps Princess Leia and kills most of the crew. Uh, no, he says, I want them alive, but yeah. we don't see them again. Um, so then, so the, the two droids land on the desert planet of Tatooine. And once they're there, they're sold to this family of moisture farmers. Um, a young Luke Skywalker looking dashing with his little tan skin and his little cute hair um, and his aunt and uncle. Uh, as well uh and so and so yeah luke lives with his aunt and uncle there and he's like has to work on their farm but he wants to go away and have adventure and go to the academy uh and so while he's cleaning the droids luke discovers part of this message in r2d2 where princess leia um looking for someone called obi-wan kenobi he's her only hope Mm -hmm. um and so luke is like maybe she means old ben kenobi in the desert uh and so basically the the droids and luke find this elderly hermit old ben who reveals that he is in fact obi-wan kenobi and he's this jedi knight um and so he talks about the force to luke and like what a jedi is uh and the force is this thing that like connects everything in the universe um, and he gives Luke a lightsaber, which belong, he says belonged to his father, who was apparently killed by Darth Vader, who was a former pupil of Obi-Wan's. I'm just that, that's yeah, what he no, says. I know. That's I what know, he says. I know. I no. I was just I was just into your description. Cool. Thank you. I know exactly what the plot. <laughs> oh, okay. Is. You seem to like both watch the film. Take issue. And no. No. I thought you were going to correct something, which I'm down for. But I was like, oh, I don't no, think I got no, this no, wrong. No, no, no. Okay. Um. And so then R2D2 plays yeah. the plays the full message from Princess Leia, which reveals that they are supposed to take the droids to Alderaan, which is her home planet, mm. where her father is going to be waiting to receive the Death Star plans that R2D2 holds. Um. And Obi Wan is like, Luke, you should come with me. Um, I could use you. I'm getting old. And he kind of like, we can tell he like senses something in Luke. Mm. Um, Luke declines at first because he's like, I have to stay at home. Um, But then they discover that Imperial stormtroopers um, have killed his aunt and uncle because they are searching for these droids because they know that they are supposedly carrying these plans. Um, And so Luke's got nothing to stay here for on Tatooine. And so he decides to go with Obi-Wan. So they enlist the help of the scoundrel smuggler Han Solo and his furry co-pilot Chewbacca. Um, a hairy sidekick to deliver them to Alderaan. Um, meanwhile, up in space, right? Cause there's a lot of those like crossfades um, to show the death stars power and to try to get princess Leia to reveal the location of the rebel base. The Imperial commanders use the death star to blow up her home planet of Alderaan. Um, and so our heroes arrive in what should be Alderaan, but of course now it's not there and they get pulled in by the death stars tractor beam and they have to, they're like, stuck on the Death Star and they have to try to kind of like sneak their way out right um, well at the same time they realize Princess Leia is also being held there so they're going to try to rescue her um, she is like far better at rescuing them than they are uh, while they're there and Obi-Wan also basically he gets into this final lightsaber battle with Darth Vader and he sort of like sacrifices himself at the end and he just disappears um, his body is gone and this is sort of to uh, impress upon Luke the power of the Force and to help them escape uh, and to kind of, I think, like push Luke further onto his journey. 
Uh, and so basically they get out, they deliver the Death Star plans to the Rebel base, and they learn from the plans that there is this tiny weakness in the Death Star where a single fighter jet with a well-placed blast could blow the whole thing up. And so Luke, as well as a bunch of other Rebel fighters, set out to try to do this. A lot of them die, but in the last second, Luke uses the Force, and he blows up the Death Star, and then it ends with this award ceremony where the heroes are being awarded with medals for their heroism, and everyone is happy. Ooh, yeah. That's Star Wars. Um, this movie obviously has lasted, <clears throat> done a lot of things to our culture. Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, which is, we have found, not always true. Well, mm. well, we're getting into the period in which the top-grossing film it becomes like mm-hmm, pretty more, well almost like more important culturally than the Oscar winner. Mm. Um, previous to this point, which I would say probably started at at Jaws. The I mean, really, you could argue that it started with The Godfather, but I think Jaws is the kind of is more of like a family film that like that is the shift into the like four quadrant picture that like that becomes the top grossing film, which then also sort of becomes the, the most influential sort of thing. Everything else um, was more um, the Oscar winner seems to be the thing that we remember the most, Um, especially Mm -hmm. in the fifties, if you recall that um, when we were, toying with the mm. idea of looking through yeah, the 50s it's true um Do also you know, we have it, it it also deals with like um the advent of television and then also advertising um because we had just talked about how uh jaws was like the first film to invest in television advertising mm. that that's only like getting bigger and bigger um but yeah so this film um it, insane Made $221 million. Through theatrical re-releases, it has made like over $700 million. It's hard to tell because like a lot of different sites adjust for inflation or include re-releases. And it's like hard to kind of sift through. Um, Something that is crazy is that George Lucas is the only one. What I was able to find was that he seems to be the only person that was able to um, predict kind of emerging uh, technologies. I think we talked about this with like the Happy Days um, contracts and things and also the video games with Rocky that like he was offered a budget of a million dollars. He turned it down in favor of a $100,000 budget. Um in exchange for full licensing rights. Oh wow. Yeah. So he's got like $100,000 budget. Yeah, wow. it's it's hard to tell what was so again, I have some numbers say that the budget was a million dollars, but then others I found that it's like 11, but it's hard to tell if that 11 million dollars that is inconsistent um with other things that I found because um again adjusting for inflation and not oh. um uh yeah wow. so the big things that we so this film is the first of 9 mm-hmm. and yet 
also the fourth. Yeah. Um, so smart. Episode four. It, and it wasn't until uh, the so the original release it just had Star Wars, and then it wasn't until um, re-releases oh. that it not re it. So once Empire Strikes Back came out, it came out with episode five in the intro. So then every edition of, of A New Hope that came out afterwards was released with episode four. Got it. Uh, but yeah, so it's the first film of the second trilogy of three and the first film to be released. Um, also, there are uh, two anthology films. There are several TV series and hundreds of books mm-hmm. and comic books and video games. Mm-hmm. Um the the main things like like the film is so woven into my wow again ding, Stephen <laughs> ding the film's so woven into our like popular culture that uh well the whole series is that it can be hard to like think what is Star Wars as a whole and what is Star Wars a New Hope mm-hmm. so the things sure. that I, I know like are Definitively, Star Wars: A New Hope, um, or at the very least, made their first appearance there uh, would be "May the Force Be With You." Mm. Lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Did you have lightsabers as a kid? I wish. No, I didn't. Oh, I had so many. I had That's so awesome. many lightsabers. And my my cousin was uh, a fencer, and mm. so we would like we would. I was lightsaber fighting with a fencer. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> And then the Darth Vader breathing a long time ago and again. The the chokey, the yeah. Vader choke, force choke. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, only one of us should do it. And I, I deem that you get to yes. do okay. the, the um, I call it the force wave where like, oh, these are not the droids you're oh, looking yeah, for. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Not like shoving right. and things. Moving that, like, only, yeah, Moving along. Moving along. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, and then both the theme music for the dark side. And the off-described off light side, but really just Luke's is theme? like Rebel Alliance, Rebel Alliance oh. Luke's theme. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's hard not to Whoa. do. I found I know, that like, when you do yeah. it, it's hard not to do Harry Potter. Oh, interesting. No, wait, but I have to because otherwise... Don't do it. No. Quinn's going to be so mad that I couldn't figure it out. But like there, I feel like there's an alternate version <sighs> that I'm Quinn. not a- able to do. Because um, like, there's a part where he's like looking out at the sunset and it's like... And it's kind of like you feel like it drawing within him. Yeah. But then there's like the award ceremony. Maybe it's just like the arrangement. Uh, but yeah. It's our boy Johnny oh Dubs, John Williams, doing that, hurts. doing that hurts. sweet, sweet score with uh, you here. Your marriage is over before. I know, I know. <laughs> like, I know. I can't, <laughs> I can't distinguish between the songs anymore. Oh, no. No. Um, but like things that did not come over, that, that, that I was looking up things and uh, things that I found as being references that I know are not are the I love you, I know business mm, that's not from this one please nope. get out uh spoiler skip two seconds from now uh the luke i am your father whoa um, what i said it <laughs> uh <laughs> skip two seconds from now. Uh, 
then uh, you know come over to the dark side. Mm, right. And then, uh, anything what, with Yoda. As anything well. with well, that right. was also Darth Sidious, not Yoda. Yoda would no, be like I, I was, when I was adding years another old, one. You reached, like, I know that good, was not. not. Um, I know. But then also the uh, one that we used to do, like the sister. Do you have a twin sister? Uh, <laughs> that's in, wait, uh, okay. That's that's in the that's like in the Death Star in, in Return of the Jedi, when like he's hiding, Luke is hiding like under oh, a staircase. Oh, so you have a sister. Sister. Mm, mm. So you have a twin sister. And who is saying this? Vader. Are you talking about my spot-on okay. Darth Vader impression? <laughs> okay, okay. And then he's just like, and then he's talking, he's like, maybe she will come to the dark oh, side. Sure. Yeah! Oh, you mean to the Empire <laughs> and stuff? To the Emperor? I mean, yeah. No, it's Darth Vader. It's not the Emperor. No, to the Emperor. No, he's Emperor. saying it to Luke because he's looking for Luke who's hiding from him. Mm. You know what? Wow. You're, I don't remember that It's well a good enough. thing your marriage is over because if it wasn't, yeah, it would be it'd ending be over right now. now. It'll be ending in when Well, I'm just really focused out. on episode four. So, Stephen, it's okay, really, fine, you're, you're fine. bad. Um, so, yeah, this uh, won the Oscar for art direction, costume design, mm-hmm. film editing, sound, original score, and visual effects. Um, As it should. Mm-hmm. Alec McGinnis, who was Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm-hmm. um, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, even though he hated, hated the it. film. I know, so rude. Yeah, but like if you were, he's like a contemporary so of Alec Olivier. Guinness? Alec Guinness. All right. You said McGinnis. I said McGinnis. Okay. Um, <laughs> I had to look that uh, up. No, I, you know what? <laughs> I'm very invested. Uh, he's dead now. Uh, he can't correct me. Um, but I can. Okay. Um, so basically the the impetus for this film, this, so this film like launched... Uh, George Lucas into who George Lucas is today. Mm-hmm. He wasn't um, the official sci-fi guy. He had made two movies before this. One of them was sci-fi, um, and then he also had made American Graffiti. Um, he also had made American Graffiti, as we know, because mm-hmm. we talked about it with mm-hmm. discussing Ron Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, but once this film came out, his his career is Lucasfilm. Yeah. is all Star Wars. Yeah. Um and boy has it been busy. Um this was this was Carrie Fisher's second film, but like she was she's Debbie Reynolds' daughter, like she was going to be in films no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um and then this also launched Harrison Ford's career. Mm. Um so attractive in this movie. He is like uh, well, you know what? The, I wondered if you were going to say that like this was the year of inappropriate age differences because I was he I didn't want to go Leia, there. I know. Well he I was and say the Carrie of, Fisher of unexpected kisses. But I didn't because fair. I don't want it to be anyways. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. she did her own fair share of surprise no, exactly, kisses. Yeah. Exactly. But but they dated during the shooting of this film. She was nineteen, he was like thirty eight. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. I know. She was um, super young. Yeah. And and then um yeah. So but he like uh he was actually the reader for auditions, one of those fabled stories mm. of he was the reader for auditions and then Lucas ended up liking him, though he didn't <laughs> initially want him to audition for the role. Um, and then he ended up, hate. so he hates the role. Um, and one of the main reasons that I found that out is because uh, basically he just feels like he's a one-dimensional sidekick. That's what Harrison Ford feels, yeah. not felt, but feels feels like, like when it. you can look at interviews yeah. when they're talking about like oh how do you feel yeah, yeah, about yeah. relinquishing wow. star wars to a new group of people and he's like i don't give a shit 
they can have it. What? He's yeah. so not a one-dimensional sidekick. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. No, but he prefers. And I feel Indiana like he Jones. brought he brought well. I mean, Indiana yeah. Jones, of course, because that's also the main character of that right. the, that whole franchise. But he created something more multi-dimensional out of the role that could have been one-dimensional. Yeah. You know, but. I also think that, that that it reminds me of I always think of the Star Wars curse, which is that like a lot of actors tend to be doing like tend to be doing well or in the case of these actors were catapulted into fame and then really didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like it also kind of tanked Hayden Christensen as well. Oh, um, Let's not talk about the prequels. No. Yeah. We, we, we shan't. We can't. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think there's, I, I was trying to find it substantiated, but I, I couldn't, but basically he Harrison Ford got way less money than everybody else. He got like $10,000 and yeah, he, uh, he's the only one that like had a substantial career. So like, mm. there's always, the, mm. there's, there was like this huge pay gap mm-hmm. and yet all their careers yeah. were. Right, nothing. Not, not and then in the last, uh, I guess in the Force of Awakens, maybe it was the Force of Awakens. He like he was he got like an insane amount of money compared to like anybody yeah. else who was cast. So the, full circle yeah. for him. Full you know? circle. Yeah. Uh, he loved making that one. He felt yeah. like it was fully three dimensional. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's what I got for that. You want to go cool. jump on well, the also Amy just, Hall train? Just, just to add oh, to it, in terms add, of like add, the two of us. Add, so supplement. clearly, you mentioned lightsaber like lightsaber battles as a kid so like you knew about this movie oh hundo P. a lot since birth yeah in since birth. yeah totally right uh-huh. okay cool yeah i mean same i just wanted to like add that as well like yeah. our own references reference points love this movie um as a kid and you know mostly that was part like my dad especially but both my parents loving yeah. the movie and watching all the time at our house in my house so i have lots of like my apartment, uh, well, lots yeah. of Star Wars paraphernalia, both that I bought and that my partner bought. If you can't tell, my partner is obsessed with Star Wars. Um, so yeah, just yeah. want to add that to that as well. Yeah, I used to like to put this even greater, re- you know, perspective. I used to like we had one of those standalone rewinders. You know what I mean? I don't know if you had one of those for your VHS for VHS mm-hmm, tapes. Mm-hmm. And man, it would be one of those things of like. Oh, that's done. It Throw in. it in the rewinder. Yeah. Get yeah. the next one queued up. We got to keep this yeah. train going, right. baby. Right. No, and I remember. Papa ain't got school. <laughs> we had the remastered versions growing the, up. The box set, the in golden the bo- box yeah. set. Yeah, and so you had to fast forward. There was like 20 minutes of George uh, Lucas interviews at the beginning explaining like why it was important for him to add all these mm-hmm. extra things that suck. Uh, and so I just remember like, I like so can so visualize like, yeah. like fast he keeps doing that with anticipation. Keeps you know? adding things that suck. Yeah, he does. Um, how do you feel about Han shooting first. Oh, Do you feel like it's necessary? Uh, it's so necessary. Yeah. I can't believe he changed that. I know. Yeah, it's so crazy. Um, okay, well, let's move to Ani 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 Hall. Okay, great. So this is Annie Hall. So this is a romantic comedy. Um, very uh, couldn't have two movies that are have a different structure, like yeah. a more different structure. So this one is really far more of a. Um, like told through vignettes kind of and sort of episodic jumping back and forth so there's not really i feel like plot it's really not about plot uh either so essentially though the basics of it it's set in mostly in new york city it's about a comedian alvy singer 
Um, and the whole movie essentially is him, you know, is sort of trying to make sense of his relationship with this woman, Annie Hall, and why it ended. And so we sort of jump backwards and forwards through time to see kind of his um, background, his how he grew up, his various different relationships, his neuroses, right? Um, he's like, he's a Brooklyn Jew and he's uh, like talks well, about easy. how, what? He is. That's a big part <laughs> no, of his character and who he is. And he talks about <laughs> oh, it a lot. Um, once again, I am Jewish, Stephen. So <laughs> back <laughs> off. Um, and and it also, you know, the the film like breaks the fourth wall a lot. And so it's often very playfully kind of addressing the camera, moving in and out of the scenes to like speak to us as the audience and then be back in the scene as well as sort of in and out of fantasy and reality. Um, and so essentially Alvi, before he met this woman, Annie, he had two failed marriages he meets annie playing tennis she's like self-conscious quirky but like very earnest and sort of awkward and they have this like awkward first date and then you know they fall in love they break up they get back together they both go to therapy separately uh she's an aspiring singer alvi is a pretty successful comedian uh, and so all of this is told in like various, it's not told in order or anything like that. We're kind of jumping around through their whole relationships, the relationship. And by the end of the film, they've basically both, it's, they've been uh, apart for a while. They meet one last time sort of accidentally. They, and then they like go their separate ways. And that's sort of how the film ends. And I mean, we'll talk more about specifics, I'm mm -hmm. sure, as we break down the film, but that's kind of the yeah. basic idea of it. All right. Um, so... Uh, okay, so Oscars has won four Oscars, director, screenplay, picture, and actress for Keaton. Mm -hmm. um, the budget was $4 million. It made 100 uh, uh, Shit. It made 38 mm -hmm. which, like, in today's dollars is, like, something somewhere along the lines of $120 million I was looking at, um, which is annoying an annoying thing. I'm like, I don't want to know how much it would have made today. I'm so right. annoyed that I keep looking then? at that. Was um, Woody Allen nominated for actor? For actor? Um, he may have been. Hmm. But he won for screenplay and director. Mm -hmm, sure. um, That's enough. And then the like far and above the biggest um, thing that I would say came from this is Diane Keaton's look. Mm. Um, because I feel like there are a lot of references to the movie and um, something that is like really that's like weird is uh, there's a lot of like shows where it's used as like a metric for people who are cool like if you're cool or like smart then annie hall is in your top five favorite movies um uh like in how i met your mother um it's apparently like one of ted's like cool women tests it's like if she likes it, if she it, i'm actually not even going to say if she likes annie hall i i think that it's probably like more problematic than that, that like if she gets Annie mm. Hall um, and yeah, but like thing lines and things uh, like also all of that look, like her look like that was uh, all Diane Keaton's clothes, mm. which is cool. dope, which is not surprising, but like in, um, you know, in the Godfather, she's wearing dresses and things like that. Yeah. But I feel like, most movies that we see her, she is in something akin to this look. Um, and I think that this move, that this movie had a lot, uh, a lot to do with kind of giving her 
the platform to dress how she wanted in her personal life in film as well. Um, and then because she wears, I don't know if you said that she wears like baggy trousers and like tie men's ties and vests and like dress shirts and stuff like right. that. And, and like big film. like cravats and yeah, different things. Yeah. There was a, a Vanity Fair. Um, it was like a big thing about um, it was like all these all these you know powerful women in Hollywood um, and she was in it and like she was the only one that wasn't in a dress and like there was a lot mm. of people that were like there were a lot of things written about her like her adherence to the her style mm-hmm. despite the aesthetic right, right. of the whole picture the expected yeah um, then uh, Writers Guild of America calls it the funniest screenplay ever written um so Annie was actually Diane Keaton's uh nickname and then her original last name is is uh Hall. So this movie is actually named after uh Diane Keaton. This was the the fourth thing she had done with Woody Allen. She was in a play with him on Broadway. Mm-hmm. She did uh, Love and Death and she was in uh, Sleepers and then um some lines some things that get referenced are like some calling something bigger than a buick um those who can't teach teach gym mm-hmm. that's like in school of rock mm-hmm. um something that is i just i mean i laughed my ass off when it happened was it's the the lobster scene mm-hmm. is definitely- mm-hmm. oh well my favorite send up to it is in 22 jump street between channing tatum and jonah hill don't remember it's that part. Killer. <laughs> this is a great it. movie. Um, but yeah, so something that I also, the two things I thought were interesting uh, about this film also is that like the average shot length of a movie of the of films in the 70s were about seven seconds long and the average shot length of this film was 14 seconds. So mm-hmm. like that's pretty cool. That it, you can feel it in the thing that mm-hmm. there's just like yeah, the pacing long shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think part of that is uh, there's a, a documentary that can be found about him is like he doesn't have a lot of patience and doesn't like to do many takes. So I think that part of that is like, no, we're not going to do a master shot and then a two shot and over her and over mm-hmm. my, no, we'll just get one thing mm-hmm. and then you'll track it and then we'll be, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll call it a day. We'll mm-hmm. do one rehearsal and then we'll be done. Mm-hmm. Um, it also feels like stylistically a very strong oh, choice. You yeah. Know, for very. What the, sh- the movie is about, you know? Yeah. And cause he's also, mm, yeah, I'll, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether to talk about that now or later. Mm. Uh, the style, uh, but uh, then something that is also important is that her part was cut from the film. Um, but there was an actress named Stacy Nelkin. It was a bit part. She was sixteen. Um, <laughs> she claims that the movie Manhattan which is about Woody Allen's relationship with like, like dating a a 17 year old and then like breaking up because he meets Diane Keaton and then basically realizes that no, he should have been with the 17 year old the whole time. Um, that like that relationship was based on their relationship because they met during Annie Hall and started dating. Um, when she was 16. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I was just like, Jesus Christ. Um, Save and, that for a moment. No, no, fuck yeah. it. Because I also feel okay. like now is the time that we just have to acknowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. And I will okay. say, all right, so I will. I mean, will, that's part of the right. reference cultural, cultural impact thing. of it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, he is 
a pedophile and a sexual abuser. Um, that it was made known in the nineties, um, which is when he left his longtime partner for, um, why am I blanking on her name? His partner, Mia yeah. Farrow, Mia Farrow, mm-hmm. um, for their, for her adopted daughter, Sun Yi, mm-hmm. um, their relationship existed before she was of age. Um, and well, they're still together. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan Farrow, Mia Farrow's daughter says that he abused her as well. Um, she has not received, uh, really any justice at all. Um, and even despite what happened in the nineties, he still did not really receive any real, um, like pushback, Mm -hmm. I would say until, until the Me Too movement, I, I don't think. I mean, it, it's it's not even like he's really gotten that much Me Too pushback. It's more like his movies keep coming out. Mm-hmm. And would you agree that it's like his movies keep coming out and people are like, oh, wait a minute. Right. This shouldn't be happening either. Yeah, yeah. no, totally. And the and when you say the 90s too, it was like 92 or something yeah. that like the that Dylan's accusations first came out. So very early 90s and like, right. And that was more than 20 years ago right. you know and still yeah his still his films still come out still come mm-hmm. out um there's you know Kate Bland you know there's a question of like now I don't know that she would I don't know that that Kate Blanchett would do a movie of his again but mm-hmm. she was in Blue Jasmine uh, in I think that was uh 2010 or 11 mm-hmm. and then you have um was it Rachel McAdams that was in, not only not only that I'm sorry I shouldn't even be doing that because you also have Alec Baldwin, Owen Wilson, people like Justin Timberlake, lots of people who are vocal about um, supporting uh, women that are also participating in his films. And I would say systemically, you know, this is probably inflammatory, but would you say that fucking kill me. I don't know if I can keep going. Mm. Should I keep going? Should I just push me to finish this sentence? Yeah. Finish yeah. Would sentence. you say that like, it's more problematic for the men in the films than the women? Are you talking about his con- more contemporary films, more recent yeah. films? Like if like wonder you- wheel with Kate Winslet and Justin Timberlake, did you, would you say that like, I didn't, I haven't seen any of his, movies I haven't seen I haven't, 20 years. I honestly don't yeah. really know much, about but it's them. more about like if like participating in it, in them. Yeah. Like I, would you say that it challenges Justin Timberlake's claims to feminism more than it does Kate Winslet's? Um, <clears throat> I, I mean, maybe I could see that because like the men, you know, uh, well, I don't know. I, I don't know, to be honest, because like, um, ugh, ugh, yeah. this is why I, this yeah. is why I felt like that as it was coming out. Um, cause obviously I don't want to be like, <laughs> I can't, yeah, fuck, this is muddy. So wh- how about, so I guess should we say when we move on to the rest of Annie Hall that we, that we, no oh, fucking 
kill myself. <laughs> He's we we don't Stop, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I the like what is your experience with Annie Hall before watching it this time? Ah, sure. Um yeah, I had seen this movie a couple of times in the past. Um the last time was probably like t- I feel like we watched it together a couple of years ago probably, maybe. Yeah. Um just like a couple of years ago. Uh and somehow yeah, and so my own right we'll talk about that but i had yes i'd seen it probably like three times before now um and had certainly heard of it a lot and heard it referenced and um yeah what about you yeah uh same and you know i didn't really i you know i'd say maybe five years ago was when I like saw a Woody Allen movie for the first time. Mm. And then I was like, this is, I thought it was really great. It was mm-hmm. love and death. I thought mm-hmm. it was really great. Um, then I saw basically like all of his movies from the seventies. Um, thought they were for the most part, some of them were like, man, but then for the most part they were great. Um, I did have lots of moments where I was like, really, nobody saw it coming. Like, there's a lot of textual reference well, to this right. shit. Um, yeah. And, you know, certainly nobody did a goddamn thing about it. It was almost like, it's like, oh, let's all turn a blind eye to what's staring us right in the fucking face. Um, but, yeah, so I am probably going to struggle throughout this podcast by not only just saying that there are things about this film that I not only like, but like really like, mm-hmm. but also dealing with the fact that like the things that I don't like, uh, I didn't used to like them, but I used to not pay attention to them. Yeah. Agreed. I know. And that's, that was part of my like ugh, thing because I have seen this movie a couple of times and it wasn't when I was like a little kid, like, you know, cause it's not a movie that like a kid kid would right. see. Uh, and like, and again, knowing that the accusations, everything has been out there for 20 plus almost 30 years you know that like uh having seen the movie several times as an adult that i i like didn't either just kind of had my head in the sand uh or like didn't think too hard about like was like i'm just not gonna think about it i'm just gonna watch the movie and enjoy the movie you know yeah uh which now i feel a lot of feelings about right should we just get into that now shall we yeah can we just go right into it do we feel like um let me let me put it let me ask a question do you want to keep star wars yes same so i i feel like i, I <laughs> feel like we could just skip that whole thing that we've spent an hour not getting to yet already of like yeah. well, should we keep this yeah. um I, I think we're on a roll with annie hall do you want to just keep going um yeah well do you want to keep annie hall no no okay good me yeah. either yeah. right i felt right. like that okay. was assumed and yeah. that no, was no, yeah but i yeah, think we I should it's helpful to say yeah. it yes yes i do not we want do not to want to keep i'm it. already thinking about how that yeah um should be in our episode description so let's just fucking go um what do you want to talk about first i mean let's just keep talking because honestly the the thing that i don't want the reason i don't want to keep it for the most part aside from small things is this is like this this thing of like um uh like can you separate the art from the artist you know or like whatever it is and and that is the answer to at, certainly at least for Woody Allen's case is a blanket obvious Absolutely no not. yeah uh, and then and like because it's but it's so hard because I also like before when I finally became more aware and like thought about the world and like in the last 
couple of years i was mm-hmm. like for a year maybe you know about as far as like woody allen in particular i was like i i'm not going to watch his movies again because one of the few ways that we as peop as people in society can like vote on these issues uh, is like where we put our money and our time and what we consume as media you know and so yeah. i was actually like super conflicted about having to watch this again for for our episode um uh but i did did um, you end up paying for it no, I watched it. Well, I watched it through HBO Go. That okay. is my friend's mom's account. So, sure. like, technically, someone is paying okay. for it. Because I, you know, we you had mentioned this last time that like I just have it on DVDs. So right, I'd, right. Yeah. Um, Damage was done. Yeah, and I think that like the because you know there's it's it has become a a question that like a lot of people don't have a clear hard answer for of like can the like art versus artist thing mm-hmm. and like i understand for some cases i guess why maybe it's more murky um but for this like you mentioned it's so clearly like auto not only like autobiographical and therefore like right in our faces about like the fact that these that like he is uh, you know that he is like sleeping with young women uh that like it's right in our faces like you yeah. know and, and if he had like made star wars which is a funny image of course because it couldn't like maybe it'd be more nebulous right maybe you know but like th- all of his movies like you said manhattan too like are so about they're about sex and romance and they are from his point of view and like his characters are him and so like the subjects therefore of the sex and romance yep. that we're seeing are the problem itself you know because like he is showing these uh like you know i mean in this movie like so his ex-wife allison she's like super young looking you know and because she's in college when he meets her and he's old you know well well, i realized that like he he would be younger he would be in like in his he's 40 when he's playing it but if they're talking about that's carol kane's part right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so he would have been in his 20s because they well actually I, we don't know it would have been roughly because he was like a pretty successful comedian at the time when he was doing that um, but they're talking about kennedy's assassination they're talking but it's post-war in commission which right took it's for a long adlai time. stevenson's uh candidacy so i don't actually remember when that was okay I'll look well no, no 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 not the not when the you, not when they meet uh-huh. but you when oh. when she's like you're using the, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh you're using this to avoid sex with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's talking about like whether or not Oswald could have killed Kennedy right. and like the results of the Warren commission. Mm-hmm. So it was at least like oh, and that seven years. He was, a he between was between those two. Right. Well, that doesn't mean that they didn't already start having sex though. Oh, hundred percent. You know, when 100%. they first met, right. hundred percent. But, um, um, P as Steven says, Hundo. <laughs> I'm trying P. to bring some le- levity. Levity. Into this. Um, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, in with regard to Manhattan, at least his friends are like, you know, maybe, well, they are supportive, but there's, they're fucking supportive, but there's dialogue about whether or not it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, in this movie, you have his friend, not like you have the, the probably most in your face egregious act was At when he end, goes, the well, twins, when he's like, twins, Max. They're 16. 16. Can you imagine the mathematical possibilities of that? Ugh. Like, you know that these, and these men are 40. Mm-hmm. But also, mm. every other woman, with, the, with the, the woman who he reenacts the lobster scene with is 
if you if you if we were to find out she was 33, you'd believe it. But like every other woman is in, is framed to be like 22, mm-hmm. except Annie Hall. Well, I was unsure about that because in the mm-hmm. conversation about the actor, she was like, "I was so young then," and he goes, "That was a year ago." Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was un it was unclear to me about how old she was supposed to be, how far outside of college she was supposed to be. Yeah. Well, she, I mean, I guess just because of how she, like, she looks closer to a contemporary of him. Like, she looks to me like she's in her uh, late thirties or something would be my guess. And like, that's, uh, yeah. But uh, what? I'm just Am I being it. offensive I, to, to No, I just don't. I mean, I'm just, I mean, to me, she doesn't look like late thirties, but also, so she was, uh, so she would have been 31. Sorry, Diane. Yeah. Um, got it. But age doesn't really matter. So age is yeah. con- <laughs> no. Age, is age does matter. It does Steven. matter. No. <laughs> age matters. Yes, I agree. Age <laughs> <But> fucking. <laughs> between 31 and like right. 37 doesn't yeah. matter. No, I, it's, it's more like <laughs> her, you thinking that she's mm. older than, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that the, the 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 reason that you apologized is not the reason that we're talking about. No, of course, um, of course. So right. it is very hard to say it in a way that doesn't sound like it. Um, yeah. Um, also, like, to, and talking about this being from his perspective, um, the the movie. Not only are these women all younger, but he's also very rude to them mm-hmm. and attempts to like remake them all the time. And then despite them calling him out when doing that, it still inspires more attraction to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And, like, you know, we are supposed to see that, like, Annie Hall is made smarter and, like, a better, more adult person by their relationship through the things that he is sort of telling her to do in a way that's, like, really patronizing. Mm-hmm. Well, and and every single woman who he has sex with, the the woman has some kind of quote issue with sex and he is like presented as like this like virile mm-hmm. like always down for sex always like ready like has no problem it's the women's like problems right. and so like and and the women like are what and it's literally all of like whether it's like sorry it took me sorry it took me so long to finish which is like what Shelley Duvall says um to like far more uh bad like egregious things of like you know like um the fact that annie hall like doesn't want sex all the time you know and like but she feels pressured to have sex with him and like even the whole scene where it's like she there's you know where like she leaves her body kind of Mm -hmm. um just so that so that like she's not really in it but like she knows he wants sex so like fine we'll have sex like most of the i feel like most of the those intimate encounters are about like making the woman's sexual like difficulties in that situation like the setup for a joke for him you know and that like Mm -hmm. because a lot of them are like it turns into then like him being like whatever about the the like issue you know right Um, or like the woman his one of his ex-wives who like you know it's really loud in new york city and so she's tense and so like she she can't keep going you know that then like he makes a joke about how he well i can't live in the country it's you know and like it's all about like 
the punchline for him to to give you know right um and and at the same time like perpetuating this thing of like why won't the woman just like him being frustrated the fact that she just won't sleep with me you know Mm. or like why what's wrong with you why do you have so many issues like i'm here come on let's do this like just be normal and have sex you know and like so like that's so um such a dangerous thing to be perpetuating too you know and he also um uh addition uh, even more um you know, so Annie is dumb, so he's trying to fix her. And then, but all the, um, a number of these other women are very smart. Yeah. And so he's always rolling his eyes at yeah. how, like, false their, their intelligence is. And, like, yeah. you know, they, you know, he says a bunch of, like, stupid stuff which i would say when shelly duvall says that sex with you is a kafka-esque, a kafka-esque experience i too am rolling my eyes but mm-hmm. he says similar shit yeah the one the woman in the hamptons who i've realized is like my new kind of favorite is when she's like he's like oh you know i i've been anxious ever since i quit smoking oh when'd you quit smoking mm-hmm. 16 years ago I don't what? understand. What? Yeah. What? And then it's supposed to be like a, uh, she's not Annie. Right, she doesn't get it. She doesn't get yeah. it. She doesn't get him. But I'm like, no, he's fucking stupid. Yeah. And yeah. like, she, she like isn't calls entertaining him out it, it in right. any way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and he misses Annie. And that is such an instance of like, because Annie, like it, it, Annie makes it all about him and mm-hmm. allows it to be all about him, you know, because I mean, she is a, like she has moments of like, action and like being a stronger character but like so much of their relationship is her laughing at his jokes you know right. or just or, like, saying like oh yeah right yeah, agreeing yeah. and like the scene you know they're in the park and he's like making up backstories for all the people they see yeah. and he comes up with every single one and she's just there like laughing at it you know and like he his idea of this relationship is like for her to be like oh yes you are so great my world revolves around you you yep. know no for sure i mean uh, there were he like shames all of her like I was looking like what are the things that he shames her for um she orders a a meal that he thinks is too big in the in a restaurant shames her for like rolls his eyes shames her for that shames her for not or being like too smart. midwestern I couldn't tell if it was because it was like mayonnaise and white bread and I just thought it was because he thought that they were going to be having sex afterwards hmm. and it was like too well, big they, both ordered, okay, they yeah, did order yeah. big things but he ordered he yeah ordered, like, well, that was the weird thing. I don't know what it was then yeah I think it to me it was about like uh so like non-New York like it was white bread and mayonnaise and like uh I don't remember what the meat was I just thought I it was anyway. because it was like it felt to me like it was one of those things where it was like the man was like I'll get a, a cheeseburger or I'll get like you know this and then expects that the woman's going to get a salad, but mm-hmm. then she gets a cheeseburger with no fries and a baked potato and a milkshake. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> uh, you could eat food. Um, yeah. Either way, he was definitely, he's definitely like rolls her rolls his right, eyes. Like looks at the audience too, as if like we get it. Like, isn't that crazy? Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, he like shames her for not being smart. And then he like shames her interests, because like she went to a rock concert and she read the national review to get like multiple sides of different arguments. And then she also, uh, he at the same time was also like, uh, you know, he also sabotages potentially her career because there's like a big record executive that wants to record with her and he won't 
he like, like won't tries let to her. let her like keep yeah. her from doing it because she like like shame her because it's not about like I won't let you it's because like it's not cool yeah and it's not about him like right. him letting her like her having a career is not what he wants you know because like yeah. he wants to be the famous one he wants to be the the center you know and I also uh, this is not far from the first time that I heard it but also man it. it, it I was like, man, fuck you, was when he's like, uh, he's talking about the rock concert, and he's like, well, why don't you get the, the guy who took you to the rock concert to come over and kill the spider? And I was like, dude, you picked up the phone to come over n- at, next to Shelly Duvall. Like, you had just finished having sex. Like, mm-hmm. right. fuck you, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh. He also does the thing which is so frustratingly present in a lot of presented as like a really romantic thing which is actually such a horrible thing to do to a person which is the like well i'm gonna come over there then like i want you to come so at the end she moves to la or towards the end and he's like i miss you come back to new york and she we don't hear what she says but she seems to say no and he's like well then i'm gonna come out there and get you and then he just like flies to la and then when he sees her and she says no again he's like come on, I flew 3,000 miles for you. And like this idea of this like romantic gesture that I'm going to just show up and once you see me, you know, you'll remember how much you love me and I'll whisk you away, which is like so clear. Like I can to- I can so see why there is this like romantic picture of that, especially right. like in this, you know, like this gallant, this like sort of male centric, like I am the hero and the savior of this woman. Mm-hmm. And like, it's so, it would be, so- I mean like not only because early in the movie, he- she's like, yelling at him for stalking her yeah. essentially like he's following her down the street and right. then like he just shows up like that's actually terrifying you know like you don't want a person to just show up when you told them no right and like and it's, then they claim that you now owe them because exactly they did the i thing flew that here you've for told you to do right exactly you owe me right right so like that's just so and it's so thrown away and, and it's in so many like mm-hmm. romantic situations in various movies but like yeah and i i feel like like he throws um because the movie is from his perspective and he's kind of i feel like he's lightly framed as an unreliable narrator but only lightly and his Mm -hmm. actions are still framed in a way that we as an audience member are supposed to find endearing um like he even pointed to sort of a systemic problem in the the entertainment industry which is then he then uses his social and professional capital to write a play about their relationship that ends the way that depicts it the way that he wants and is like so he refuses to acknowledge her perspective throughout their whole relationship and then gets to profit from his distortion of both of their perspectives um which depending on what this relationship, what what this film was potentially based on, uh, who knows the reality of that? You know, mm-hmm. I, I that's why the the last five years bugs the shit out of me because mm-hmm. that's J- Jason Robert Brown doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and speaking about him, like potentially being framed as an unreliable narrator, like there, the thing that I hate to that I enjoy, like is the the way that like it played, like it. it as far as a movie, like it, the way it plays with like fantasy and reality and like, you know, talking to the camera, like there are some really lovely moments. And like you said, like really funny scenes and lines, but what was something that was really eerie and I don't, 
I, I would need to fact check this more. But like at the very beginning of the movie, he talks about he's like some somebody I don't remember who it is, like says that I've got a problem distinguishing between fantasy and reality, blah, blah, blah. And then um, in one of the like court documents, as far as like his defense about why Dylan Farrow was lying, he said she has a problem distinguishing between fantasy and reality. And he talked about like some things she had said which about like this attic where this abuse, you know, supposedly happened. Um, and like one of the things she had said was like, there's dead heads up there. And like, he was like, see, isn't that, she has a problem. Just to, and, but like, there's actually like Mia Farrow kept wigs up, you know, whatever. Right. But I just like, I was like, this is eerie. And I, it makes me like the language of it was so was directly so similar, yeah. taken that, um, yeah, I don't just to put that out there. I don't know no, what that's that means. Like very, uh, I don't know, fucked up. The word mm. insidious was mm. coming to mind. I don't know that that would be appropriately mm. used, but I know that it's appropriate right. to say manipulative. Fucked up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And clear that it makes it seem clear that that language, since the language is so directly paralleled, it really calls the statement <laughs> into question. Right. Exactly. Um, like you quoted your own movie. Right. By accident. <laughs> also, I was like, oh, cool. Young, uh, young Woody Allen is a, a sexual aggressor also because he yeah. is, you know, assaults this one student by kissing her right. and then the teacher gets it, gets mad at him. And then adult him is like, what? I was just expressing mm-hmm. a healthy sexual appetite because, right. Right. you know, men forcing themselves on women is an expression of mm-hmm. healthy sexual mm-hmm. appetite. Yeah. Um, as far as, um, uh, I also just thought like, the way that mental illness is portrayed in this film is very bizarre um, because his analyst is like going to psychoanalysis is very central is like very big. And yet when he goes into the scene with Dwayne with Christopher Walken, mm-hmm. he is treated like he treats mm-hmm. Christopher Walken like he is a cartoon crazy person mm-hmm. and the things that he says are played for like fact that he is suicidal mm-hmm. is totally played for a laugh mm-hmm. despite the fact that his character has been advocating right. for counseling the whole time and treating the fact that diane keaton's not in counseling as some sort of reference to the fact that she is less smart mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah no totally and then he also because it has come out that he sees a therapist at the dinner table you would think that he came to that Christopher Walken came to him because he sees a therapist. So he has this idea that there's something about mental health that needs to be taken care of. But no, he says, I think you'll understand this because you're an artist, Mm -hmm. which then feeds into the idea that like artists by nature are mentally ill or at the very least good ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, then how is it possible that it could be such a twisted idea around like mental health that like, yeah. And then to add another twist to it of like the confusion, like of what it's saying is like when Diane, when we see Diane Keaton, like actually going into therapy into like psychoanalysis and she, she is like discovering things and like able to talk about like her relationship to sex and like, what's actually and like able to like look at what's happening with her relationship to him then like the joke of it is like oh she's she's doing the thing I told her to do and I'm paying for it and like now it's making my life worse because now she's like more assertive about like her wants and her needs right. and like it's a joke that like 
actually like getting something out of psychoanalysis is is like a double-edged sword like it's actually like hurting him right you know because it's like hurting his sex life with her but right. it's like her making progress that actually like is really wonderful for her to be able to like start talking about what's going on with her and what she wants you know like it's yeah really I, backwards yeah. and like the the the, uh, the additional irony to that is that he makes so many jokes about not getting anything out of uh psychoanalysis and therefore and then having problems with the the progress that she's making therefore psychoanalysis is good and worth money only if you don't get anything out of it <laughs> right, like right. what is the uh. yeah, yeah okay um also i guess we should tag on to the end that there are perhaps seven uh black extras mm. um and that's about perhaps that's seven. about it yeah I saw a few in the the scene where he plays at Wisconsin. Um, in the audience? In the audience. Well, good eye. Um, and then, well, at that point, I was like, <laughs> come on. Are, come, what like, are we doing I here? I really hope that there are people of color somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and then at the restaurant where he orders uh, alfalfa and mashed the yeast. The food <laughs> yeah. restaurant in L.A. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, there was there was a, a black person that was mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the party, it's all white people. We do have a young Jeff Goldblum. We do. Um, I know. Uh, Apparently, also, um, at the end, the woman he's on a date with when he runs into Annie Hall is the woman is Sigourney Weaver, apparently. Huh. I found that yeah. online. Her dad is like a big dude, like started the Today Show. So mm-hmm. I get that like. Yeah. yeah so it was like before she was. I guess before she was well-known. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wild. 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 Uh, Can we talk Um, about Star Wars Yeah, let's please. Please. Yay, Star Wars. Yay. I mean, it's not like a yay Star Wars, but it's like so much of this is, well, so much of the problems I feel like are, um, in in a way, a lot of the problems with women are kind of like the problems with, uh, people of color in Annie Hall. It's that there aren't any, right. so nothing <laughs> didn't. There wasn't yeah. enough space for something horrific to come out. Sure. Well, from, uh, I mean, they could have made Princess Princess Leia could have very easily been like a damsel in distress ish person, much. and she's an awesome character. You know, oh, like man. she's really awesome, and she's funny, and she like saves their butts. You in know? the Death Star, everything that they do, yeah. makes their situation worse right. everything that she, <laughs> she does, does gets them out of it exactly and she's like and right and she she's like witty and uh you know like all of these wonderful things as well as being the only woman in the universe right and well there is his aunt uh, Luke true. skywalker's aunt who dies then Damn we it, get one scene with her um half the women some of the droids could be female identifying fair they are referred to as male like r2d2 is referred to as male c3po has a male voice this actually okay just to jump into this thing i actually really loved that the droids at least c3po who we hear the most of and then other droids i think we hear talk uh i can't actually remember if we like hear them speak or just like beep in this one but that they are male voices or at least like c3po and like even r2d2 being referred to referred to as male because it's i think that there is a big like problem with the fact that today so many of our devices and things that are like robotic helpers Uh are identified as women yeah and like the idea the whole thing of like alexa and 
getting especially kids who are like growing up with Alexa to be really comfortable like commanding women around and like mm. telling like expecting that women are like going to do things for them you know like Alexa right. get me a sandwich basically right so like I actually think that it is really wonderful and important that like these are male droids um, because they are not like sur- they are not like servile women you know yeah um, I'd always thought that the Alexa thing and the Siri thing comes from um, you know, they talk about with the subway that like they mm-hmm. put like in like people basically this is also a systemic issue that is negative. Um, but you are more receptive to information mm-hmm. that comes from women mm-hmm. and more um, obedient to commands that come from men. And that's why like stand clear of the closing doors is a male voice and the next stop is, mm-hmm. you know, 23rd Street or whatever is typically a female mm-hmm. voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of interpreted it as that. But you're 100% correct that there is the added the added thing, uh, uh, the added training of not ordering women around. And mm-hmm. then also extreme lack of patience when you yeah, get it wrong right, like that right. triggering like <laughs> right. holy shit right and like the the freedom with which to like uh make like mock or you know like siri and alexa but like we can just be like oh it's funny how siri is like so wrong or like so doesn't get me you know or like right. alexa got it you know like and it's so and yeah i mean it's like very it's a small thing but like it's a we are associating and not only that like for those particular things like so it's different than the subway it's like they have names that are like female names like mm-hmm. you know and so like you are getting used to like saying a woman's name and like hearing a woman's voice and commanding her around and expecting her to just like do what you want you know sure um so i will say that about the droids yeah. who I love. I love the droid. My favorite character, I think in all of star Wars is R2D2. I think that one of the best things about this, these movies and this movie in particular is like the way that like the, the, the way that the audience is not dumbed down to like mm. need to get like translations for yeah. all the things that we don't, that are not in English. So like whether it's like the droids speak or like different languages, you know, from like various alien races, um, like so much of the beginning of the movie is actually like C-3PO talking to R2-D2 and like, and R2-D2 is like such a lot, like a, a lively being, you know, just like through the de- like the specificity and the detail of like how they, they treated like his beeps and stuff. And even, and also like the languages. So like the Jawas, which are the creatures that like capture them when they land on Tatooine, like they're all speaking in like some alien language, but like you can feel the like the intention and the meaning behind their words because of like how it's done. And I just think that that's like so impressive in this movie is like the, I mean, it's to the world building overall, which I think is actually like really rich and and like wildly specific and like not in your face. Like it's just kind of the subtlety like around everything. Um, And I feel like the way, one of the ways that's really clear is like through the languages and when they're not translated and stuff. And we're just like, able to we have to think we have to watch and we get to like experience the sounds and like the world of this this universe i'm 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 so i agree the jawas when you once you start talking about the jawas i Mm -hmm. was immediately sent to a thought process that i was having which was about like the so the film doesn't have any human diversity Mm -hmm. um 
And part of me wonders if that is because it has alien diversity mm-hmm. and that people who are doing sort of sci-fi films feel less impetus to involve people of color. Um, at first, when I saw the Jawas, I was like, I, I think I might be bothered by this. <laughs> and then I was looking it up, and so he, George Lucas, his film THX failed, so he was not able to get the rights to Flash Gordon. Mm-hmm. So that is, he was not able to buy them. So he was like, so I'll write my own. Hence Star Wars. So he he's pulling his his um, influences from all these different people. One of which for the planet of Tatooine is Dune. Mm, so that, yes, that makes a lot of sense. They're the fact that they're like the moisture sand farmers. People, there's sand people. Sand people look like they're wearing still suits, which is crazy. And like mm-hmm. I mean, and and so who are though the Fremen based on? So I'm just starting to wonder. Like this is a bit. It's a bit abstracted, mm-hmm. but in a way, you know, the, it's a bit abstracted, but in a way you have this person who wrote a really well thought out depiction, uh, or parallel to, uh, Bedouin Arabs. Mm-hmm. It, that is now inspiring this sort of cartoonish characterization of those people so like this feels like a cartoonish characterization of fremen the jawas the jawas Mm. and the jawas and the sand people people. and so i'm wondering to what degree is it still a a, an analog for what the fremen were an analog for Mm. and so in what degree is this like a racial caricature um and and i just find my found myself being like if i am pressed to look at it this way i am indeed uncomfortable mm-hmm. um yeah that that is that is how i i felt also once i started thinking about like okay well so they have instead of like there are no you know Mexicans, there's no South Americans, no Asians, uh, no black people, um, because there are all these other species. So the human species is white and all these other species look this other way. But I'm like, the human species looks so profoundly different after a hundred thousand years, just on one planet. Like, how is it possible or even remotely believable that they're all Caucasian yeah. Throughout the galaxy. No, of course. I mean, that's a huge problem. Yeah. I 100% agree. And I mean, the one person of cult, like James Earl Jones, who voices uh, Darth Vader, is hidden away. And also right. then in the next movie, like, is supposed to be white, you know? Right. Because he was not, um, he was, originally the guy is white, but they didn't like his voice. So they had James Earl Jones do, it. Mm-hmm. that's all like VO, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which just which also has its own set of problems because mm-hmm. what's the problem with the white guy's voice that it wasn't what <laughs> right that menacing it wasn't enough like evil sounding? yeah sure it's very possible you know and, and so that just creates its own another set of yeah 
you fucked up shit. I don't want to, I don't even want to think of like an abstracted, I don't know, smart way to say it. It's fucked up shit. Yeah. Um, no, it's true. It's true. Um, it's a huge problem. It is certainly a really, really yeah. big problem. And like a sci-fi across so many classic sci-fi f- movies have the exact same problem. And I think you mm-hmm. are super right. Like as an interesting point of like, the feeling like, oh, we don't need to think about it because we are showing this other diversity, right. which is like so backwards, you know. Right. Like look at, um, you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy, same way. Like basically all the all the humans are white. There is a black, you know, Zoe Saldana is hired as an actress, but she's painted green. Mm-hmm. So like she's not portraying right. human diversity. She's an alien. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that like is something that is pervasive even now. Yeah. Which Star Wars yeah. having the the money that it has now, at, like it is able to because it's like valuation is so high, it is able to lead the charge in terms of like putting more women in powerful roles and and putting black people in in more in more roles. Mm-hmm. Period. Right, like and people it, of color in general. Like, the right. the most recent couple, like, you know, have had a very diverse cast, um, which is clearly intentional mm-hmm. and, like, is great. Um, yeah, but, like, the amount that they are, like, trying to make up for is also, like, yeah. <laughs> a lot. It took, <laughs> it took, you know, six films and 30, over 30 years mm-hmm. to, to come around to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll get Lando next in the next film in mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back. Um, right, which it will be in just three person. episodes. Yeah, uh, in the in the original trilogy. Yeah, Wait, I in think three, so. What? What? He's in Return of the Jedi as well. He's no, in no, both. No, I'm, just, oh, I'm saying, saying we're gonna do. Oh, we're doing all Empire three. Empire Stripes. Are they all Empire here? Strikes Back. Stripes I think back. they uh, the Empire Stripes Back. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, they're all top, top grossing. grossing. Cool. Um, but then and then we don't. And then in the second trilogy, I None I don't them. know besides Samuel L. Jackson who they have. Oh, oh, oh gotcha. Yeah. I thought you were going to say which of them were top grossing. I was oh, like, None probably of them. all of them, even <laughs> well, though they yeah, sucked. Yeah, because yeah, true. Like, they're, I'm sure we're, yeah, they, everybody saw trans- them. Transformers were top grossing. Yeah, it's yeah, just like, yeah. God. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, we'll deal with the like princess Leia sex fantasy with return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. fucked up problems. Mm-hmm. Now also I really hate something I really hated is that there was like a, a, a bizarre moment of fat shaming that Por- I thought was Porkins? Some, his name was Porkins. He's the one fat person in the, the show, someone who in would the be described in the, in the, the, the only overweight human in the universe. And his name is Porkins. I know. And, He's kind of, de- I feel like the show kind of declares him incompetent by the way that he flies his his X-Wing. Yeah, well, so many like of them gets, died. Well, that, they but do, but like he gets hit. He's the first every, one, right? He's the first one. Yeah, he's and the first every one. single other pilot is like, you need to do this. And he's like, no, I got it. Boom, he's dead. Mm-hmm. So like everyone else was able to see the thing that he was supposed to do and yet hmm yeah didn't yeah and and his name is fucking porkins i know god damn it yeah yeah uh, so i mean yeah. 
all the, these are like frustrating things, but all in all, like it, I think this is a movie where it's just like, these are, I don't what, what do we, is the word negligible? It's not, I don't it's, feel, well, I feel like that's yeah. undermining. It's, it's honestly very hard to be, um, to be, what's the word? Whoa. Impartial? The opposite of subjective. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Objective. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because like there is such a deep, because I'm not only because there's a deep like love that I have just built for these movies, but also because I'm able to think of them all together, you know, so sure. it's like hard to, it's funny because like we're saying all these things and they are problems that like occur in this move in this particular one of the, the series more than in others mm-hmm. that will come later. Um, but at the same time, I'm sort of like, well also like if we didn't have this movie, would we have the Star Wars universe at all. And like, I right. love, I want the Star Wars universe to stay. You Would know? we have other sci-fi franchises that, right. that maybe at least on an individual film basis do better, you know? Um, That's true. Maybe we would, but also like the, no, 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 no. Oh, I oh, mean oh. like, like oh, I think oh. that Star yeah, Wars yeah. gave credibility yes. to, to sci-fi fantasy film yeah. in a way that, that, we, we are not sure that another film would have taken its right, place. Right. Totally. Totally. Um, and the, and like the unique, like it's the, the things that are so wonderful about it. Like, I mean, like the, the style, like the, the fact that it is like fully an like adventure movie and like fully also like a really funny comedy, you know, like mm, it's sort of like yeah. that, that is like a very unique thing that is actually hard to, like it's I'm like oh it feels so obvious because that's like the the like essence of all the Star Wars movies right at least I'm not talking about the prequels um you know and so like but the fact that that is like a really unique attribute to like the core of a a, um of like a space movie like it's so accessible to everybody which I think is what you're saying too of like it made this genre of like sci-fi adventure like super ubiquitous and like people now are interested in that genre you know like maybe people who like thought they it wouldn't be for them because right. it is so accessible and so funny and so like fun uh yeah, yeah. i mean like just look at alec McGi- alec guinness guinness <laughs> who thought that you know he was just he hated the film because he thought it was just like a stupid you know fairy tale garbage right you know like you're wrong Rongo Bongo. Rongo um, Bongo. And then, you know, you get flash forwards now and you have like people who already have Oscars that are super excited to be in the films, right. you know? Yeah. And like the core idea of it is like, I mean, it's very easily related to, but like, you know, like the, I had moments where I was like, oh, the Empire so there are things that I noticed in watching this movie now that I hadn't noticed from watching before because I was watching it. So like, usually it's just like in the background because I know mm-hmm. it so well, but there were a lot of details that like about the empire specifically that I like hadn't really like thought about the implications of. So for example, like a small, there, it just, I was thinking about how they like dissolve the Senate and they are like the individual, like local governors will rule whatever. And I was like, whoa, this feels very like states rights kind of, you know, and I was like, sure. just like the the ways that you can like extrapolate into like the idea of like 
you know, the rebellion is obviously the good side of this movie. And like, obviously we're like, yes, the empire is like evil, clearly evil, clearly like this extreme like fascism, Mm -hmm. which like, yes, we will all, we are meant to side with the rebels, but also like on other levels of like, you know, like that there's something like, uh, like if that is a state's rights kind of thing, it's like, Oh, in this case, like we're saying that that's a bad thing, you know? Right. You know, we have a, uh, so there's, there are people who, um, I think as the series goes on, particularly the, like, I think the new or I think it's called the new order, um, <laughs> in the, the new series, the new oh, trilogy, the new order, like yeah. they're very clearly using like fascist imagery. Yeah. Yeah. But like there are lots of things that you can find online that talk about how like they actually made improvement. Like the the empire actually is the, the, is the they're good. the good guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but no, that that's yeah. totally true. And also, uh, I did think for the first time I, I took a second to think about like how religion is sort of being mm, described yes. in this. Same. Yeah. Um, that. There are two things. There are two moments. One, the dro- seep three PO thanks the maker, <laughs> which does. made me really thanks curious. Yeah, it's like thank the maker. It, like I can't remember exactly what happens, but he says it. Yeah, and it, it's either when he's going into the oil bath, or mm. when he like gets re. I think it's when he gets reunited with R two mm-hmm. in the Jawas Sandcrawler. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might be it. Yeah, he says it. So I'm thinking like, well, droids like very obviously were built by somebody and like have a creator. But like, if they are sentient AI, like, would they create a kind of religion around their like? Mm-hmm. I mean, think of it. What aren't religions in many cases something isn't something very like intrinsic to most religions like the the why not the why but the yeah like the why do i why are we here mm-hmm. kind of thing well like he's a protocol droid so like he knows why he's here to an extent but there is this other thing like an of existential like existential why yeah. right like there is this why of like why do we need protocol like what's the intrinsic good so they, i just started to think about like yeah. you have but like i think i wouldn't be surprised if it was just george lucas being like Oh, thank God. And then he was like, oh, but right. Joy wouldn't say that. Right. Thank and, the maker. And, yeah. Thank the maker. But but like it's fun to think about like, right. the actual implications. The of ripple yeah. of that. Yeah. That like they have uh, their own religion. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I've, I, decided, I decided that for the Rebel Alliance, referencing the Force is effectively their like thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Well, because the Force, it, I, I hadn't really noticed it as ever like before watching this time of like how like jedi it's just it's a religion yeah like it's a straight up religion and there's so many like not only like obviously non-believers who are like oh you're witchcraft or you're like whatever um you know this ancient religion you're the last of the people who would ever believe in this and like they talk about it as a like a religion in a way that I hadn't. And then like the fact that we can see the belief and the submission to the religion literally does something like you can then like hit choke somebody like, you know, like literally things are happening because of your like faith. But you also have, and so you also have this clear system of like, there is 
there is a sinister use of this same faith and right. a good use of this same faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I just noticed when like, so Luke uses the force and like, like he, when in the X wing, he's, they're going through the trench and he turns off his targeting system. They're like, what are you doing? Your targeting system's down. And he, but he's going to use the force, mm-hmm. right? So the implication is he believes in the force. They don't, but, backtrack before they go off to get in the fight the guy go the the commander the general or whatever goes uh, yeah, all right yeah, and may the force, force be with you, you. Yeah. so i'm like oh well, so you must not believe there must be this culture in the what do you call it, in the rebellion that is kind of like the same culture of like if somebody gets hurt or needs help that you'd be like young i'll like i'll pray for you mm-hmm. and then never do it or like mm-hmm. you know that there is like a distinct difference between people who like nominally reference aspects of the religion Mm -hmm. versus and the strangeness with which they view people who do actually believe in that religion. Yeah. Well, I don't like in that instance, it was like the plan was to use the computer because the computer will show it to you. So like, it's very possible that like they don't think that what he's doing is using the force to like find the right place to the right time to shoot. Like, uh, but it does seem definitely like, yeah, there are levels to like belief uh, yeah. and like that it's it is sort of like they like the rebels clearly like have a reverence for the memory of the Jedi's, you know, right. or the Jedi. Excuse me. It's uh, yeah, same singular and plural, are, obviously. Wow. Did you, um, did, did you eat fishes for dinner last okay. night? You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Um, <laughs> as someone who loves grammar, I am a, I am the embarrassed. Um yeah but like that they have reverence for the jedi but like they also know that there's not any jedi left in the world Mm -hmm. so like who actually like nobody can actually like do like they couldn't use the force to shoot because like right it doesn't really exist the way it used to yeah which is yeah because they call it a religion but it feels to me more like spirituality than like a religion religion you know like they're because it's so much about like energy and life force versus like a god or like gods you know and yeah but i feel like there's too many religions that don't necessarily believe in a god but believe in a life force and you used there is like the whole thing in terms of like religion they're supposed to they're celibate they the jedi the jedi Mm -hmm. are celibate they be they join as children and Mm -hmm. are raised in it like almost almost like uh cloisters and that kind of thing yeah um that would be my it's true. To that. Well, sure, but I but I feel like the way, um, at least like the I don't know, yeah, like it's a the spiritual connection to it feels accessible for people whether or not they are like a part of the religion, mm-hmm. you know, in the way that like is perhaps different from like you can say may the force be with you, you can like believe in the force without like knowing how to use it or without like being like a member of it. I I, I mean I I guess. I'm not. Is that the same? I'm as not disagreeing yeah. with your point. <laughs> I just think that same. we do that with religion. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, thoughts and prayers is one way. Sure. Um, also, just like saying namaste at the end of yoga. You know what I mean? Like all the yeah. like the ways in which we sort of use Buddhism um, in a way yeah. that like, or just basically, 
use various religions in a way that like sort of therapeutically support whatever yeah which is really just like appropriating it from the religion and detaching it from its meaning what i'm saying is that like the force is a there's a necessary difference between what he's doing the force is like a spirituality i can get behind is what i'm saying right i did wonder in my head it's like what you what you mean is you like it yeah (laughs) what i mean is i like it even though i'm not religious yeah right but you can i'm not a jedi energy that but like I'm permeating yeah, yeah. through all things. Right. And like in a way it's not wrong because like our bodies are mostly negative space. Like our bodies are atoms and the protons in you are the same as the protons in me and, and the stars we're just moving around. Yeah. Yeah. So what a beautiful thought to end on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a beautiful thought. Cool. So yeah, we don't yeah. need to recap. I think we're both agreed. I think we're, we're set. Keeping Star Wars. Keeping Star Wars. Saying goodbye bye. to Woody Allen in general bye bye. and Danny Hall. Well, don't. In Annie Hall. We're, okay, we're, we're right. Saying Let's stick Annie with Hall. Annie Hall because that's what we're talking I about. I think that. Is he coming back? I think with. Does Hannah and her sisters. Look, well, it doesn't look like he wins for okay. a while. Well, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Um, and next then maybe time. Maybe we'll do TV. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, next time we are going to Greece, Greece and Deer, Deer Hunter, Hunter, which I have long Jinx. wanted to see. Me too. Yeah, um, I've never yeah. seen it. But, and, I have seen Greece. That I have seen, but I bet Many we're going to see a lot of stuff in we're, there that we didn't notice before. Yes, I feel like Greece is a long movie. I think we should prepare ourselves. No, no. maybe not. I, don't I just remember some scenes where I'm like, this is dragging. But anyways, we'll get okay. there. We'll get there next week. Yeah. Um, right. Great. Great. Huzzah. Uh, I'm Stephen Moskis. It's Stephen Moskis everywhere that you might be looking for Stephen Moskis. Gina with a G, if you can find me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's it. Rock Rising, we Rock love you. Rising. They're the best. Sweet. No, I was deliberately, I was, I think it was a thick ass harmony. It was a killer harmony. I don't know. I know, but basically, I don't even know. I don't even know what you're accusing me of because you did. I mean, I did. You did. Well, then you, if the fact that you felt that is because it came. I'm going to remember Luke's when you do that. It's different. No, I can't. It's not a demon. This one. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a critic. Oh wow! Apparently it's too low. <laughs> <laughs>